is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. Wow. Talking about headlines this week in real estate, it has gone crazy, and I have lots to talk to you about, bring you up to speed on a few of the things that, well, CRA are talking about, CMHC is talking about, vacancy rates, and everything else. There's a lot going on this week here at Simply Real Estate on News Talk 1010, and this week, I've got a special guest joining me. Uh, it is President of Community Trust. It is Mr. Chris Humanick. And you know what? We're going to be talking about your RRSPs, your TFSAs, your RIFs, you know, looking at what potential you have with those for your future. Are they doing very well? How is your investment planner doing for you today? Well, we're going to give you some options, and we're going to talk a little bit about syndicated mortgages. A lot of uh, us have heard in the news over the last few months some of the situations that this can create, and I want to dispel the myths of what they are, and nobody better than uh, Mr. Humanick to join us later in the hour. But let's get to the top news stories this week. Everybody heard about Urban Corp. You know, they're on the ropes. They're trying to restructure. And unfortunately, the consumer is the one that is being beaten down because of Urban Corp's situation. Right now, we know that there's hundreds of people that are being left out on the street potentially because their new homes will not be finished, they will not be closing. In fact, one of the stories that uh, reached us here at News Talk was the fact that a family was talking about a semi-detached that they purchased three years ago. They were looking forward to this fall closing it. It was a semi-detached for 810000 that they bought three years ago from the builder that was supposed to be finished. And guess what? They're not going to be closing. Not only are they not going to be closing, the potential of them losing their entire deposit is up in the air. Right now, it's $80,000 is what they have as far as a deposit. And what's happening is Tarion is the one who's saying that they may return about half of that. So Tarion's limit right now is $40,000. So that's the maximum they will return in a deposit from a new home builder, Forty. Thousand. Now, again, that's not a lot of money when you think about 80, so half. So unfortunately, these people, when you turn around and you have a situation like this and a builder does go bust or is not able to complete what they had promised, the real question is, is who gets left out in the lurch? And in this situation, let's think about it. If you bought something three years ago for 810000 what are the chances are it's worth more today? So can you imagine them trying to come back into the market? Right now, that property is probably worth in excess of a million dollars with the appreciation that we've had in the last three years in Toronto. And instead of buying something for $800,000, they are going to have to buy something similar for a million. Now, again, this is one of those problems that we are going to face in the future with builders if they are not able to complete the deal. Now, Urban Corp's been on the ropes uh, several times. Last year, they did the same thing to a group of buyers. I think it was almost 180 buyers that had bought in condominiums, and they canceled the project, returned everybody's deposit because the deposits were within the $40,000 limit. So everybody did get their deposit back, but basically no interest. And they had bought something five years previous. So the increase in the price definitely knocked them out of the ballpark to be able to repurchase. This is the problem. And again, you know, I always caution everybody when you are buying brand new 
a shorter close is better. So if you're hopping into the marketplace, and let's say you got a 12-month close, the chances are you're going to have a pretty good idea that you're going to be able to close. But if you go to the extension of three, four, five years, you're a speculator, and almost anything can happen. And I do feel bad, obviously, for those purchasers that have now experienced this. Hey, listen, you know, I'm going to head out west a little, and let's talk about Calgary for a second. You know, obviously, we know that Calgary is suffering in a real estate perspective. Uh, right now, listings are up, sales are down. But can you believe that the actual the Calgary market is the third highest rental market in Canada right now as far as price? In fact, one-bedroom units are sitting at about $1,100 a month for a one-bedroom unit in Calgary. Now, of course, Vancouver tops the charts. They're sitting at about uh, about $1,750 a month. Toronto's next in line at about $1,350 a month. So for those of you out there trying to rent a one-bedroom condo in Toronto, they're saying the medium price right now is $1,350. Keep that in mind. You know, is it better to buy or is it better to rent? Now, again, when we talk about Calgary, though, we're looking at the fact that uh, there is a lot of vacancy coming up. So we're going to probably see those prices slide in the near future. Now, the rental market also has had a real, real interesting twist here. Toronto itself, when we start talking about the commercial properties, it's got the the Toronto office vacancy rate is the lowest in North America. When I saw that stat, I went, wow, that's incredible. Toronto has the lowest vacancy rate for commercial real estate in North America. It's down to 4.9%. Now, it's kind of funny because that, if we were talking residentially, would be a huge number. But it's not when we talk about commercial. So vacancy rate at 4.9% is deemed to be very, very low. Back in 2014, Toronto was sitting at 6.5, so definitely it has gotten much better. And for those of you that are landlords of commercial properties, congratulations, your numbers are up. I'm pretty sure your rental prices are up. And for those of you that are agents in this marketplace, guess what? You may have to switch business because if you can't rent something or there's nothing to rent, it's going to be pretty tough to make some money. Now, of course, one of the things that we go back into the condominium market in Toronto, we've got to talk about the risk and CMHC this week has come out and said, we don't see it as a risk anymore. In fact, they're believing that the builders are starting to mitigate a lot of the risk in the condominium market, saying that they're looking for at least 70 to 80% of pre-sales before they start construction. They're also looking at the fact that the speculation is actually falling by the wayside because more people are thinking that they're going to stay put. Now, one of the things that we also had in the news this week was the fact that we've got an interesting thing happening. They're saying that people are not necessarily jumping for their first time home. They're actually going to their second home as their first. So let me explain. For years and years and years, one of the things that we always focused on was a first-time home buyer. We'd get them into condominiums, small town homes, little fixer-uppers. You know, I call it a home on training wheels. And when we take a look at homes on training wheels, it means that you're getting into your first home, maybe getting an idea of paying a mortgage, paying bills, seeing what it's like to take care of a property. Well, I guess most of the millennials are sick and tired of trying to get into the market and saying, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in head first. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to buy the home that we're going to stay in much longer. Now, 
if you're a newlywed or you're just a starting out couple, I don't know if this is a smart thing for you to do. Think about it. You're going into something you've never owned a property before. Uh, maybe you've just started a relationship or a marriage. You haven't started a family or you've just started a family. Everything can change. You know, I always use the expression life happens. Well, life really happens when you own a home. And I have to tell you that if you focus on, you know, getting the property with training wheels, I think it's a lot smarter. But they're saying right now, people are saying, hey, listen, you know what? Instead of buying a short-term home being up to five years, what they're going to do is they're going to try to buy something that they're going to be there for 10 or 15 years because they want to turn around and mitigate the idea that they're going to have to up and move and keep going up. Well, here's the thing. When you have your first time home, normally if you've done some work to it, you're going to gain equity. This is what's going to give you that next jump five years from now. Sometimes it's better to wait. So for those of you that are thinking this process through, I really want you to consider the fact that getting experience in owning a home is key. If you put all your eggs in one basket and say, no matter what, we're going to dive in, move into this area you know what? You may want to reconsider. One of the things that I can advise you to do is if you're going to take this step, then why not rent maybe for one year in the neighborhood that you plan on diving in head first? Because at least you're going to get an experience. Is that the neighborhood you want? You know, don't just speculate that it's in the neighborhood. Unless you grew up in the area, you know, unless you went to school there, your family was there, and you know no matter what, that's the neighborhood. If you're moving into a neighborhood you've never lived in before, and you plan on putting that much effort into a home, make sure you know what you're doing. It's one of the best advice that I can possibly give you. Again, lots happening. Um, when we take a look at uh, looking at BC, of course, we've got to bring Vancouver into, into talking about real estate. We always do every single week. And our great people at CRA, Canadian Revenue Agency. If we had a little bit of a soundtrack, we could do the dun-dun-dun-dun. Um, those guys are really taking a look at the BC market right now. And what they're doing is they're trying to figure out, are people filing their taxes correctly? Is there capital gains that is not being paid? Capital gains, of course, is if you are selling a home, made a profit on it, it was not your primary residence. And what they're looking for is they're looking for those people that are the speculators out there. And when they do this, they are going to come down on you and they're going to come down hard. So they're looking for money. Now, if you are a speculator and let's say you've bought brand new from a builder, you turn around and you flip it prior to closing. Folks, that is not capital gains. That's deemed income and it's income that year. So you need to keep that in mind when filing your taxes. And trust me, they've got their watchdogs out there and they're actually putting it in everybody's face saying, hey, listen, people in BC, we're coming after you. We know you're making money. We want our taxes. And if they go after the foreign foreign investors, they're going to do it. You know, they keep bringing in the fact that they're going to be looking at a vacancy tax in, in uh, Vancouver, meaning that if you are buying, speculating and not throwing in a tenant or not occupying, they're going to hit a vacancy tax. Again, it's one of those things that I'm hoping maybe I can get somebody here in Toronto to talk to me about and figure out, are they going to try to do that? Based on our vacancy rate, I have to tell you, I don't think they're going to make a lot of money from it. Vacancy rate, of course, in 
uh, our uh, residential area is very low right now. I think we're hovering right around that 1% mark, which is not a lot. So, you know what? That's what's happening in the news, and there's going to be lots more every single week. So, as I mentioned earlier, um, Mr. Chris Humanick is going to be joining me from Community Trust. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to explain and let Chris talk to us about the company, but more importantly, about your RRSPs. You know, I have to tell you, a lot of people want to utilize them, and I think there's a great avenue for you to be able to utilize them for future investment. So make sure you stay tuned right here at News Talk 1010. I am your host, Todd C. Slater, and I'll be right back right after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Just before we went to break, um, I had alluded to uh, information about your RRSPs, your TFSAs, RIFs, and things like that. And today I have an incredible guest joining me uh, to talk about these things and what you can do. And of course, don't worry, this is a real estate show and we're going to get to real estate with your investments. You can count on that. Uh, it's Mr. Chris Humanick and he is president and CEO of Community Trust. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. It's great to be here. A lot of people, Chris, um, would not necessarily know the name Community Trust. Now, I do because of, you know, things such as commercial uh, real estate and a lot of stuff that we have, you know, workings in, in the industry. Can you do a little introduction about Community Trust and tell us, A, um, you know, a little bit about the company and we'll go from there. Community Trust in the Canadian banking world, it's a relatively small company. Uh, having said that, we've been in business for over 40 years. Uh, very active across Canada in the commercial real estate lending market, the residential lending market, and as a trustee of registered investment products here in Canada. Trust companies, you know, it's one of those things, um, not everybody knows what a trust company does. You know, we know obviously what the banks do. And so is there a lot of trust companies in Canada or is it a fairly limited marketplace? No, there are, as a matter of fact. Each of the major banks owns a trust company and uh, they're quite common. The trust companies aren't that different from a bank. We do have one differentiating authority and that is the ability to act as a trustee or an administrator of funds or accounts, in particular registered accounts for Canadian investors, Canadian retail investors. You've been in the world of, let's say, mortgages, real estate for quite a few years. Uh, a little bit about your past. I have been. I've been uh, president and CEO of Community Trust for the last five and a half years. Prior to that, I spent close to 20 years in the uh, in the Canadian mortgage banking market as uh, as an advisor, a syndicator, uh, and was very active in the securitization market as well. From my experience, uh, obviously dealing with you, you know, you've got a vast amount of knowledge, knowing about investments, mortgages, of course, looking at real estate, uh, other investments in this world. There's a lot of things that I think that a lot of us don't understand now. You know, when I talk about investments, everybody knows I naturally gravitate towards real estate. And then when we hear the words RRSPs, for years and years and years, we've been trained to think that that's a separate entity. In fact, when you talk to most financial planners, the two don't merge. You know, most of them want to put you into funds, you know, and I, I, my question is, is that, you know, I guess a lot of these fund managers, it's because that's how they get paid. If they lose that RRSP investment, let's say to a mortgage, perhaps, then they start losing the access to it. Of course. Why is it now, or has it always been that you can utilize, let's say, 
these avenues of investment to be able to merge with real estate. Is this is this a new thing? It's not a new phenomenon by any stretch. It certainly is an emerging trend though for Canadian retail investors. Canadian retail investors have always had the ability to use their RRSP and more recently their TFSA to invest in a wide range of product. Investment advisors, particularly bank-owned investment advisors, have a propensity to direct their clients to bank accounts and to bank-owned advisors and to funds, products, etc., that are on an approved list at the bank. Uh, and as you suggest, uh, it's typically in an effort to generate maximum fees for the advisor themselves as compared to necessarily taking the best interest of their clients to heart. I've never been a huge advisor of RSPs. Now, I understand why. I mean, pretty much from day one, we're all brainwashed to say, you know, always maximize your RSP. There's always an advantage to it. And I won't say brainwashed because it's probably a little bit stiff. But at the same time, you know, I look at I look at things differently. And unfortunately, you know, I, I really do run the one horse race. I believe real estate is the answer to all things. <laughs> but yet... You know, so many people do have RSPs. Unfortunately, a lot of their returns have not been as fruitful as they had hoped. But by definition, one of the things that I always like to tell people during our seminars is the fact that our RSPs in itself should be understood as just simply a tax deferral system. In other words, if you have $100,000 in your RRSPs, the real question is how much money will you have in your pocket? And depending on the rate of tax you pay, it could be anywhere from 50000 to 70000 over the course of time because you still owe taxes on it. When people invest in their RSPs, they can grow that tax-free, correct? That's correct. You contribute to an RSP with pre-tax dollars. So you receive a credit on your tax return the year you make the contribution. The return and the income coming out at retirement age, at the appropriate age, is in fact taxable as income in your hands at that point in time. It's attractive to investors. It's a tax-efficient way to save for your retirement, but also most of us, once we've retired, move into a lower income tax bracket, and that income comes out at a lower tax rate as well. You know, it's interesting that you say that, because I've had a lot of people say that, you know, I, I, I'm going to live on less you know, when when I retire, um, I always look at it and say, I'm hoping to live on more when I retire because I want to do more. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, there's all sorts of things. We we have Amanda King come on on a regular guest. She's from Money Sense. She's one of the editors there. And of course, Money Sense is one of the magazines that does do a lot of, you know, calculations and showing people that what RSPs can do. They're very, very proactive with it. In In my sense of things, I always look at it and say, I think people should plan for what if. I think that people under have to understand life happens and maximizing, if you're going to have RSPs, I think it's crucial for people to maximize their RSPs and what they can do as far as a return. When, uh, when we look at it, you know, there's got to be avenues that we can discuss that people need to know that they have the ability of doing. So Chris, I'm going to ask for you to hang on because we've go, we're going to go to a quick break, but when we come back, we can talk more about looking at what people can do and utilize their RSPs and risk for by the way, folks, uh, a little bit later in the hour, I'm going to tell you about our, our final release. In fact, if you want to be an investor, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. Make sure you uh, take a look at what we've got going on. We've got more about that later in the hour. By the way, it's it for the rest of the year. We've only got a few units in it. That's all we got. So stay with us. When we come back, more with Chris Humanick from Community Trust. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Mr. Chris Humanick. He is president and CEO of Community Trust. And Chris, just before the break, you and I were chatting about things such as investments and RRSPs. And um, I kind of put you on the spot, and I want I want to clarify for our listeners, because I don't want you to get into trouble at all, <laughs> because that's a very important thing, obviously. Um, folks, uh, Community Trust has been around for over 40 years. They are a trust uh, company here in Canada. And um, so we were talking about RSPs. And, you know, one of the things I've always thought that is a lot of people, when they invest in RSPs, you go to your bank, you get your RSPs, you know, the bank wants to, and sorry, I will say this, but banks like to jam down their own product down your throat because that's just what they are. They're made there to make money. But that's not the case for all the people, all the advisors that you work with. You work with a lot of different advisors, not so much the banks, you know, and for clarity, can you, can you let us know how that actually works? Sure. Look, we're not well known publicly in the Canadian marketplace and there's a reason for that. We don't advertise. We don't publicly promote ourselves. We've built our business over those 40 years by building strategic partnerships with advisors, with brokers, with administrators of mortgages, investment product, etc. So we have a very large client base. It just so happens that we're not well known in the marketplace. And I would almost disagree with you on one aspect that you're very well known for the people that know the industry. In other other words, you know, people that have sought you out, you've become very well known, very well respected in the industry. That's very important. Reputation in this world, as you and I both know in business, is so important. And I I believe from from what I know of community trust and for what I've listened to and talked to and people out there in the industry, very, very well respected. Uh, You know, you, you definitely don't steer people the wrong way. I always joke about this. Have you ever noticed how much money the banks spend on advertising, especially you know, Chris, if you're in January and February, they spend millions and almost billions of dollars making everybody look younger, thinner on a beach, because as long as you buy their product, <laughs> that's you in your retirement. Then come March, after you spent your money with them on their RSPs, you know, they, they've locked you into something. And then all I hear from investors is they complain about the returns. And again, I'm, I'm very, talking very bank specific. And listen, for all of you out there in the banking world, you know, I love you. Uh, mostly mortgage specialists, though. Uh, but the truth is, is that, you know, a lot of this stuff, I'm not going to call it a bait and switch, but they really do paint a picture. And unfortunately, the rate of returns for a lot of these people have been a real struggle over the last few years. Obviously, the markets have been up and down. You know, how as a trust company, when you sit back, and it's not that you need to be controlling what's being invested in, but you must have your your, your hand on the pulse of what's going on in the world. What are the markets doing? I mean, they seem they seem to be fluctuating like crazy. Wow. That's a loaded question. It um, is. <laughs> sure. Look, we live in interesting times right now, don't we? Life yep. is happening. With low interest rate environment, low dividend yields on blue chip investments. We see all sorts of investors out there chasing yield, looking for yield. We are big believers in the real estate market. We're long on the Canadian housing market, so to speak. What we see today is incredible geopolitical volatility that's having a tremendous impact on the equity markets. It's been a wild ride in the equity markets over the last 12 months. Uh, We know we were in (laughs) and now we're out. Certainly commodity prices in Canada have had a tremendous impact on the economy in some of the Western Canadian provinces as well and trickle-down effects into the, the real estate market, the housing markets there as well. We're in a time now where we all have access to information as bankers, lenders, as retail investors, and we're all now 
looking to take more control of our investments, seeking out opportunities in the marketplace. And it's a natural reaction when we're in a time where the headlines are constantly negative. They're constantly creating a sense of anxiety. I cringe every time I read the headlines putting down the Canadian housing market. I actually get quite agitated when I read about the American investors who are looking for a collapse of our housing market the same way that the American housing market collapsed. The housing market here in particular is just fundamentally different. Uh, interest rates are low, sure. If interest rates were to spike right up, we could see some negative impact on the housing market. But forecasts today are telling us that that's not going to happen for the next two to three years. Employment numbers are strong, particularly in Ontario. Canada is a regional economy. The real estate market in Canada is very much a regional one. And we're seeing very positive signs in the research that we do uh, within the housing market. We're very hesitant when it comes to putting our money out at 2%, just as the average investor is as well. Excellent points, Chris. You know, one of the things, and, and, and I like the fact that you did weigh into the, our overall national uh, real estate market and, and do bring it down to the regional effect. Um, a few weeks ago, we had Benjamin Tall, um, you know, chief economist at CIBC, join us for the world markets. Excellent speaker. Excellent. He's fabulous. And um, I have to tell you, you know, his his interpretation was very similar. You know, we can, we can probably withstand a little bit of an uptick in the interest rates. We probably do require them in the near future. It should happen. Uh, you know, near future, when I say near future, that's probably still two to three years out at this at this course that we're on currently. And on top of that, um, you know, you're right. Uh, the U.S. market itself, you know, they're just scrambling. They, they don't like the fact that Canada has remained so strong. In fact, they're quite shocked at it. And they're almost, you know, I don't know if envious would be the right word, but I would deem it as envious because the problem that they have is that they, they were in utter collapse to due to their own situation and their own misgivings and not understanding their own marketplace, where Canada, I think, has learned, you know, since 88, 89, 90 for the major adjustment. I think we've, uh, you know, uh, CMHC stepping in, uh, Genworth, some of the other insurers here, as well as the Bank of Canada understanding what they their role is to be able to maintain the asset, uh, you know, equity asset of what the average Canadian has. So I think it's really important. One of the questions I was going to ask you, though, you know, earlier when we we're talking about uh, community and their product, and we did talk about, let's say, you know, some facilitators or people that are advisors that are able to get involved with community trust. And, you know, obviously we're, we're going to go down the road of a little bit more about the avenue of what, can, you know, what people can do. But individuals, for instance, they have the ability if they've got self-directed RSPs, to be able to approach a company like Community. How do they do that, by the way? Communitytrust.ca. We're accessible online, uh, and we have a team of account administrators waiting to take their phone calls. One of the reasons why I ask and I prompt the question is because, folks, if you're getting frustrated with what your um, your your advisors are giving you or what, what your avenues that you're taking, um, you know what, there's something wrong with getting an education on what you can do differently. And one of the things I did like, you know, obviously our involvement and folks, you know, we're going to get to a little bit more of that with community in a minute. But, you know, we, um, you know, one of the things I did like was the fact that you you have a very friendly website and, and your administrators are excellent. And so talking people through and giving them a better understanding of what they can do is very important. Um, you know, self-direction. I think I think that people need to take a little bit more responsibility for what they're doing for investments. What do you think? Absolutely. Look, I personally invest through a self-directed RSP. Uh, we live in a time when, when we have access to information, we have the ability to make decisions. I am still a proponent of seeking out 
appropriate advice from an experienced advisor in the appropriate space. I think it's very important, but I think it's important that investors inform themselves as to what can they invest in in a self-directed RRSP. And once they've made the decision to further investigate that specific product, we all know we can invest in mutual fund stocks, bonds, etc. But you can do that in a self-directed account as well. Uh, you can invest beyond those conventional investments. You can invest into small business corporations. You can invest into uh, private companies. You can invest into real estate, into mortgages, and all sorts of other alternative investments that are available today. It's very much an emerging market. And at the same time, in 2015, there was over $120 billion invested by way of the private capital markets. And of that, over $40 billion invested into private mortgage investments, whether they be real estate investments, mortgage investments, mortgage entities, private corporations. Through the private capital markets, we all read and hear about the public capital markets, but there's a very vibrant private capital market ongoing here in Canada. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to talk more with uh, Mr. Chris Humnick, President and CEO of Community Trust. Stay with us. We'll be right back if you want to know where your RSPs could go next. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. I don't know. Have you been listening the whole hour or are you just tuning in? Well, if you are, then my guest today is President of Community Trust uh, and CEO, Mr. Chris Humanick. And we have been talking about your RRSPs and some of the avenues out there for you folks. And Chris, so far we've had a great discussion. We've been talking about, obviously, the fact that people have more control than they know, a little bit about self-direction, things like that. Um, But... I'm going to touch on now a subject that's been, it's been a little bit hot topic in the news. You know, there are some buyer bewares out there, syndicated mortgages. Um, what exactly, for our listeners' sake, do we deem a syndicated mortgage? It's a great question. A syndicated mortgage is an investment that is generally originated by a qualified entity or individual, a registered mortgage broker or a registered mortgage administrator, who then takes that mortgage and syndicates the funding of the mortgage to one or more investors who who choose to to participate in that investment. Okay. Now, of course, um, when you mention uh, mortgage brokers, of course, they are governed to be able to do things correctly. Uh, It's FISCO. There are also um, mortgage investment entities, mortgage investment corporations that are also governed by the OSC. And one of the reasons why we want to throw that out there is that we want to make sure that people understand there is some protection in place for them to understand if something's going to be administered correctly, needs to be administered by the correct people, so some governing bodies, of course. When we talk about syndicated mortgage, I'm going to dive into it, and a lot of it that we've heard over, especially because of such a huge buildup, you know, the Toronto condominium skyscraper, everything we look at, a lot of that um, is brought to you by, let's say, corporations out there, there's syndicated mortgages, and a lot of it is for brand new product so they can get the building and the soft costs covered. Is that correct? There are companies out there doing this. Absolutely. Look, there's various types of mortgages that are available for syndication and for investment by retail investors. There can be straightforward first mortgages, there can be second and third mortgages, there can be construction mortgages, and then there is, and I'm sort of moving up the the risk meter here, Of course. and then of course there are opportunities to invest in participating mortgages that are really structured to mimic the equity investment in a property, in a development, sit at the high end of the risk 
parameter. Right. Now, when, when we talk about risk, we obviously think that there's more returns attached to the higher the risk and also the greater potential of default. Of course, the news was lit up in the spring of defaults in the syndicated mortgage world. One of the issues, of course, is the fact that when people are investing in, let's say, the future, meaning that potentially a company that's trying to do a development, there is a certain amount of risk allocated to it. But yet the same RRSP can then be designated towards something that's more concrete, already existing brick and mortar, and that would turn around and mitigate their risk. So when you see things like this, you obviously look at it yourself, and I'm just saying yourself as an as an investor, not as the president of CEO of a company, but do you analyze things like that yourself? Do you ever look at it and say, hey, listen, you know what, that makes more sense than this? Sure. It's important that any investor understand what they're investing in and they're prepared to assume the risk inherent in that investment, in that transaction. There's nothing wrong with investing into a participating mortgage provided it's a sound project backed by a sound developer. Certainly it's higher risk and you should ensure that you're receiving appropriate return. Yep. I think what you're suggesting though is correct. To invest in an existing building, uh, whether it be a single family home, a multifamily apartment building, a townhouse project, or any other type of commercial real estate is considered to be a less risky or a more sound investment. It's there. It's likely producing revenue already. You can go see it. You can walk around it. You can, get, you can you touch can, it. You, you can, can touch feel it. it. It's there. Yeah. And you can assess the location, which is a very important consideration when you're investing in real estate, whether directly sure. or, or in a mortgage. Excellent. So, you know, that's a perfect foray into what I want to talk about. One of the things, um, you know, and, and Chris, I appreciate you coming on so much to talk about a community trust first and foremost, because that's, that's important that people understand understand, you know, the potential that they personally have with their RSPs. And I believe that returns are so important. Folks, as you know, I am an absolute real estate hound. To me, um, being the president of the Simple Investor, being host of Simply Real Estate here on News Talk 1010, as well as the real estate expert here, you know, I believe in real estate and I've always believed in real estate. And one of the things that um, we have now done, and today is the first day we can announce this, is that we have a new program out, and it's called the Simple RRSP Program. I got tired of of people not getting good enough returns, and Chris was uh, good enough to be able to meet with myself and my company uh, back a few months ago. And fortunately, Chris, um, I'm able to announce to our listeners today, uh, we have brought uh, Community Trust on as our partner in the simple RRSP program, as well as folks, Butler Mortgage, who will be working with the syndication of our mortgages. And yes, we are now a new program that is now launching officially, being allowed people to partake in our apartment developments that we do. Um, Chris, uh, as you know, one of the things that we focus on with our investors for an individual investor is that they own a, end up buying individual title. We manage everything for them. By the way, folks, the Southwestern portfolio is pretty much sold out. There's 15 units left for the rest of the year, in fact. We don't have a new development until next year. And so if you're looking, make sure you go to simpleinvestor.com. But more importantly today, we're talking about the fact that you can now utilize your RSPs. We're really proud to be partnered with Community Trust and Butler Mortgage on this particular, I would say, adventure launch. Uh, we're really excited. Chris, we actually have got some people that have actually gone through your process. I have to commend Community 100%. The investors have told me that they felt that they were 
professionally treated. There was absolutely no issues. Everything went off without a hitch. The investors have now placed their investment into one of our new developments. They're excited. They're really thrilled about it. Folks, what the Simple Investor Now is offering with the Simple RRSP program is your RRSP will be getting a rate of 8% return interest on your mortgage plus a 2% bonus on the completion, which is a one or two year term in syndication. What the most important thing you need to know though is, Chris, one of the reasons why I asked you about security and, and, and we talk about things like this, these are all working product right now. These are existing buildings. They are fully tenanted. They're fully managed by us. We are growing um, because the need right now, I think we're up almost to 400 investors. We're over a thousand units managed and people are just wanting our product. And so what we've decided is that we're going to now take it one step further and we're going to let people come on the ground floor. And with the assistance of Community Trust, and I thank you for it, is the fact that we're going to be able to, our our goal here is to go to 5,000 units over the next uh, three years. Firstly, Todd, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here for the announcement, and we're very excited to be working with you and with your investors and providing a registered platform for them to invest into this new and exciting investment opportunity. You know, one of the things that working with people that have surrounded their lives with real estate as yourself, when I first met Mr. Humanick, one of the most impressive things was that just his vast knowledge. Chris, I've met a lot of uh, different presidents of companies, and I have to tell you, sometimes you don't get a word in edgewise or they just won't even listen to you. Uh, One of the things I loved about meeting you was the fact that you're just so down to earth but you have such a grasp of the real estate market. And one of the things my listeners, I hope that everybody understands is that when we bring people in, real estate at its core is what I believe everybody should have in a portfolio. They should have an understanding of it. It is probably the number one topic of the world. Okay. Not just Donald Trump folks, but you know, real estate in itself, everybody can have the conversation around the kitchen table, around the office water cooler. Real estate is real estate. We all have to live somewhere, no matter what. It doesn't matter what technology does in this world. You and I can have a smartwatch that we could sit there and start our car with. We could even have the car drive itself. But no matter what, everybody has to have a roof over their head. And and no matter what, technology will never change that. So in our opinion, from a company's perspective, everybody should have some involvement. If it's not ownership for their family, meaning that it's your principal residence, then they should be looking at it from an investment standpoint, because no matter what, the world is not getting bigger. The population is, but not the world. And so in our our opinion, it's a great avenue. So again, I just, I appreciate community coming on board with us as a partner. And of course, Butler Mortgage, who's going to be working with the syndication folks. It's very exciting. When you want to know more, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. We're going to be, you can just turn around and request more information on this product. Uh, Eventually what you'll do is you will meet with us and you'll get your brochure and then we'll put you in touch with both parties, both Community Trust and Butler Mortgage. And it's amazing. I got to tell you, we're really excited about this and working with you. We're very excited too, Todd. Thank you. Look forward to working with your investors. So folks, interesting stuff. I mentioned to you about our last uh, release that we've got for the year. In fact, 15 units left southwestern Ontario, three bedroom townhomes, 99,900. I'll give you the specs right now. Get your pen out. $840 a month is your rent. After your expenses, your positive cash flow is $100 a month with only $20,000 down. What an incredible return. Every single month you get your rent because technically we're your tenant and it's guaranteed. Incredible, incredible. This is it. I, uh, the Simple Investor will not have another release for almost one year. So if you're interested, 
Now's the time to act. TheSimpleInvestor.com, get all your information. If you want to know about the Simple RRSP program, make sure you have a conversation with us. I'd just like to thank Mr. Chris Humanick for joining us today. Uh, It's been wonderful. I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant, and for all of you tuning in. And remember, I will talk to you next week at 4 p.m. So thanks so much. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and we'll talk to you soon. 